Welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hi, Kevin, Property Soldier here, and in this episode of the Service Accommodation Property Podcast, we're going to be talking about some of the costs that you need to take into consideration when you are uh, thinking about doing service accommodation. And just to be clear, this is still the due diligence process, so I'm, I'm still on the D. Um, of my deals system. The D stands for due diligence, the E for explore, the A for acquisition, the L for logistics, and the S for scrutinize. And so the due diligence part of the system is still doing the exploratory work before you actually get into spending any money on service accommodations, what I highly recommend that everybody does uh, before you go anywhere near acquisition. And so due diligence in terms of knowing your costs and knowing um, the likely cost that you're going to experience with your business in advance. And one of the things you might as well start somewhere is your company setup and accounting. As with anything, you just need to be getting a quote. Uh, I highly recommend that you use an accountant to be doing the accounts for your service accommodation um, business, perhaps a, a bookkeeper as well. It uh, makes it an awful lot easier. A lot of people you spend far too long trying to do spreadsheets themselves uh, before they actually eventually bite the bullet and get an outsourcer to do this. So you might spend money on a bookkeeper. That could be a VA. We have we have VAs. We have UK VAs and foreign VAs doing this type of work for us. VA meaning virtual accountant, and we also have UK based accountants. And uh, you know, whilst I'm on the subjects of accountants, let's face it. You know, you don't need to have an accountant in your town. It's not necessary, especially in this day and age. Everything is done uh, via email and, uh, you know, file transfer, etc. So you can do whatever you like on the phone. You can have Zoom calls and Skype calls and all that good stuff, sharing computer screens. So you don't need to be in the same town as your accountant. Why is it important? Because guess what? The right accountant <laughs> who knows about service accommodation is... It, let's face it, likely that they're not going to be in your town. If you're lucky enough that you've got an experienced accountant that understands serviced accommodation, then great. If not, definitely worth getting some recommendations uh, um, from people that use uh, accountants, people that are doing service accommodation, they've got the, a good accountant, and and use those those people. Get, get a free consultation. And ultimately, you are then going to be asking the accountant how much it's going to be cost how much is going to cost uh, to run your serviced accommodation business doing the accounts. So you will need to explain exactly what your business is going to look like and explain to the accountant uh, what your plan is. So you're going to be doing rent to SA, you're going to be converting your buy-to-lets into service accommodation. Are you going to be doing service accommodation management? Hey, are you going to be doing commercial conversions into apartments that you're going to keep and hold as service accommodation? Oh, that's my phone, not on silent. And it was a booking. <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> Service combination booking. Fab. Anyway, moving on. And so 
How much is all that going to cost depends on what your business is going to look like and you just get quotes. So you're going to have an understanding from the outset how much that ongoing um, those ongoing costs are going to be. You also need to get a quote on insurance. So you speak to uh, an insurance broker, a broker that understands service accommodation, and you're going to ask about how much professional indemnity insurance is going to cost, how much public liability insurance is going to cost. So professional indemnity, um, different brokers are going to give you different advice on this. You might, if you're going to be doing service combination management, then I would suggest you probably do need professional indemnity insurance. But in all cases, you're going to need public liability insurance. Why is that really important? Because it gives you public liability um, protection. And if somebody injures themselves in your property, slips up in the shower or something like that, they're going to uh, claim off your insurance. They're not going to sue you for your assets. Um, I'll come. I'll talk about company structures in a different episode of, of uh, the Service Combination Property Podcast, um, you know, with regards to whether or not um, your operating entity versus your owning entity, your operating entity doesn't have assets in it or shouldn't. Uh, we'll talk about that in more detail on another episode. But at this point, we're just talking about how much is it going to cost for your um, insurance and you will need public liability insurance. So explain to your broker exactly what your business is going to look like and they will help you and advise you accordingly. Okay, let's talk about another really important part of doing service combination, that is furniture and soft furnishing. So there's different options here. You could be buying the furniture yourself. You could be doing a, a buy-to-let conversion that is you were, were previously providing furnished, and so it could simply be a case, if it's of good standard, keeping the same furniture uh, to use for service combination. But... In most instances, in my experience, um, I'm an experienced buy-to-let landlord. Yes, I have let property out furnished. You quite often need to upgrade the furniture to be suitable for serviced accommodation. So are you going to buy that furniture? You can hire the furniture uh, or lease it, whatever. Uh, and so you're going to need to get quotes on that. And um, there are multiple different uh, ways in which you can acquire your furniture from different suppliers. And so I would suggest, again, go on the forums um, and ask for advice. So the, the, the property forums ask for advice on who people are using for their furniture, whether they're buying or whether they are hiring that stuff. And soft furnishings, again, you're going to need um, all of the, uh, you know, the throws for your uh, bedding. You're going to need the... the um, the, the cushions, etc. So guess what? It all needs to be factored into your costs. Now, here's a really, really big one, and that is cleaning and laundry. So on a different episode of the, the podcast, I talk about working with your um, laundry provider and working with your uh, cleaners, but you you clearly need to be getting quotes from the outset from these guys and so when you're getting a quote from your cleaners, um, you need to be establishing everything that they're going to do for you. And that is in a previous episode uh, that I've covered that stuff and obviously asked them with that in mind, all of those things that you need from your cleaners, how much is it going to cost? And then it comes to your laundry. You need to be getting uh, explained to your laundry company 
exactly uh, how big the unit is, how many turns you're likely to be doing a week. And so a, a decent rule of thumb is two turns a week, but it depends on what your minimum night stays are. Uh, but two turns a week, uh, to, at least to start off with, before you get in nice long bookings, uh, two turns a week. So how much is the laundry going to cost for that? And you know, be surprised, it can can work out to be quite expensive that. So you need to factor that in. And then there's another thing, which is meet and greet. Are you going to be meeting your guests or are you going to outsource somebody meeting your guests? If you're going to outsource that, then clearly there is a, a cost for that. So we typically pay um, £15 for a meet and greet. And that surprises some people that we can get somebody to go and wait for people to arrive at a, a, a property of ours and for 15 quid, But some of these people that we're using, they have previously been cleaners of ours and um, we've you know formed a relationship with them. And, and even though we've moved to different cleaning companies, they've still been willing to, because they're familiar with the property, they've still been willing to do the meet and greet um, element of it. And let's face it, for 15 quid, often cleaners are working very hard for an hour of, of their time. And so, uh, you know, when they're doing a meet and greet, what we do is make sure that they can... Uh, uh, liaise with the guest um, so they texting to say look let us know when you're half an hour away and then because the cleaner lives locally they can just go to the property wait for them and let's face it they're watching telly in a nice warm comfortable place on on wi-fi um, waiting for the uh, guests to ring the bell and then they enjoy showing them around an absolutely beautiful place and so um, the reason I'm, I'm explaining that is just to dispel the uh, perception that a lot of people have that uh, no one's going to do a meet and a greet for 15 quid. Well, I, I know different to that. So yes, but it needs to be factored in into your costs. Some people say, well, do you know what? I'm not going to do meet and greet. I'm going to save my 15 quid and um, just send a key code access out to guests. Um, but here's the thing with meet and greet, that your meet and greet people will do an awful lot of good things for you. They can take um, ID, copies of ID, get the guest to sign in, um, get the guests to um, sign terms and conditions, those types of things, although we we actually get guests to do that in advance before checking. And um, they can also be asking the guests how long they're here for, how they got their future accommodation booked. So sometimes people will just book for a week and then they'll they'll look for their future accommodation for the following week, the week after, etc. Well, your meet and greet person can be speaking to them at that point. Your meet and greet person can invite them to book with you direct or future bookings um, to your website or just give the number for them to call in order for you to take their future booking and you can give them a discount on what they would normally pay on booking.com or Airbnb. So you can make more money and they can save some money and you can actually, uh, we, we've had six month bookings from this exact thing. So we've paid 15 quid for a meet and greet and we've got six month booking. And the only really important thing about meet and greet is that um, your meet and greet person can show the guests how to do stuff. <laughs> we, we've all struggled with blinds that we can't work. Uh, we've all struggled with boilers we can't work and thermostats we can't work and and um, cookers and microwaves and things like that. So let's face it, your meet and greet person can show them you know, how to turn the, the shower on. It's got that lead needs to be, that uh, pull cord needs to be pulled before the, the shower will work. All of those things that could be an issue for your guest then your guests could even damage things if they don't know how to do stuff like you know blinds they don't know how to work etc and so all of these things were avoided but guess what also the guest 
is more likely to leave a good review. If the guest is struggling to work stuff like the heating, um, quite often they don't tell you, but they'll leave you a bad review. Um, if the guest has met the meet and greet person, then they might, if you know, you've got an agreement with that meet and greet person, they might text or call um, to say, look, um, can you just remind me or show me how to do something? And if you can avoid a bad review, you're going to make a lot more money because then you're going to have a higher um, average review score. People are going to see nice reviews and they're going to be more likely to book you. That's going to put the demand up for your service accommodation unit and that's what's going to make you be able to put your prices up and that's what's going to make you more money. So please don't penny pinch when it comes to meet and greet. As long as you've got good systems in place, then you can avoid um, the you know the scenarios that I hear a lot of people say that they're waiting hours and hours and their guests uh, just still haven't turned up. Well, if they don't turn up, then uh, when, it, when there's a cutoff point, then you, they're going to have to pay more to, to get let in. And then if it goes past a certain point, then uh, they can be given the key code access. Um, or you can actually say, look, you've breached the terms and conditions. You're going to have to now go to a hotel. And when someone hasn't checked in, then they can't leave you a bad review. So if they've really messed you about, then let's face it, they don't get in. Um, but I'm just the reason I've um, sort of elaborated on that is that this is a cost £15 that we actually factor into our business for meet and greet, but there's an awful lot of ongoing benefits for doing that. So there's also utilities and broadband. So if you are using your own property, um, so you've you bought property to do service accommodation with, or you've got a buy to let that you move across into service accommodation, or you're doing rent to SA into service accommodation, you're going to be paying the bills. So all the gas, the electric, um, you know, water, um, all those bills, um, broadband as well, you're going to be paying, phone line, all of it. And so you need to factor that in to your costs. And you're going to start building up uh, a sum that clearly needs to come out of the turnover of the property. And uh, we'll cover likely turnover in a different episode of uh, the podcast. But ultimately, forewarned is forearmed in terms of how much your costs and these are things that people underestimate. And, you know, um, if this due diligence is done properly, you might actually um, not make a mistake in acquiring a property that actually wasn't going to make you enough money. So it's really, really important to factor in all of this stuff. With the broadband, we just go for the a basic £18 uh, per calendar month package, which is adequate for our use. Uh, there's... Uh, TV license as well that needs to be factored in and just whilst we're talking about TV we just do we get smart televisions um, clearly you've got broadband you've got Wi-Fi in the property and so with a smart TV people can just log into their own media usually Netflix on the uh, smart televisions and so that's what we do um, other people pay extra um, but um, that's down to them we don't we don't ever get complaints that they you know people didn't weren't able to get Sky Sports or anything like that as part of the package. So we find that's perfectly adequate. And then there's council tax or business rates. I mean, this is business rates is covered in uh, another episode, but, you know, I'll, I'll touch on it. Uh, the, you know, the issue with council tax and business rates, I'll touch on that now. You're going to either be paying council tax or you're going to be paying business rates. And with council tax, um, the the... The issue with council tax versus business rates is that you should, if you're doing service accommodation, be paying business rates. So that's the, the you know, that's the newsflash. You should actually be paying business rates. 
But if you listen to the uh, the service combination um, property podcast that covers business rates, uh, we've got a rating surveyor that comes in and, and gives a keynote speech to our, our mastermind mentee program. Um, he's actually quite clear that in 80% of instances in the UK, a property correctly assessed for business rates will actually be cheaper than council tax. And it's only actually when the valuation office agency overestimate how much uh, the business rates are that people end up, uh, you know, with a bloody nose um, shouting on the forums that they're spending um, too much money on business rates. And so if that does happen to you, yes, you can challenge it. And if if they do not um, want to play ball, then you can get the business, the rating surveyor in and he will go into bat for you and um, ultimately will save you money in reducing your business rates. And then there's also small business rates relief, um, you know, £12,000 relief. So as long as your business rates is less than that, which let's face it, it's going to be, um, you'll be able to actually get relief on that. And not only will you not be paying council tax, you won't be paying business rates either. And, you know, you can also get, I mean, this has happened to us on a, a one bedroom apartment in an in a apartment block. We've ended up with six months council tax rebate because the VOA was slow in assessing us for our business rates. And so we got a council tax rebate as well. Um, but, you know, you've got to factor the council tax and all business rates into your sums. Um, but ultimately, the the safest option is to just work on council tax because some people just don't want to go down the business rates route. But let's discuss that for a minute. Why are most people on council tax when they should really be on business rates? Well, here's the thing. Most councils are not policing this. It would be very easy for councils to go onto Airbnb and Booking.com and to see where all the service accommodation units are in their town and just go and send them letters saying you should be on business rates. Actually, they don't. There's no appetite for it, and that's why because business rates goes to central government, and then central government give local local government a percentage back, but they don't get as much as they would have done if they were just collecting in the council tax, and that's why. Most councils are not policing this. So that's uh, hopefully <laughs> of interest to you all. And so those, all I've just done there is just give you, you know, not every single thing in terms of knowing your cost, but those are some big, big handfuls of knowing your cost when it comes to setting up your service combination business. Clearly, the main factor you're going to need to um, to know as well is how much is your, if you've got a mortgage on a property, how much is that going to cost? Or if you are renting a property, you clearly need to put that into your sums as well. And that's going to give you a good idea of what the bottom line is, how much your um, initial overhead is going to be. And then based on your likely turnover, that's a different episode of the podcast in terms of um, likely turnover per month, you'll be able to do the sums and work out whether or not it is a viable option to go to the acquisition phase. So hopefully that was useful, everybody. If you've got any other suggestions, then please just message me on my page, Property Soldier. And here's to your success in serviced accommodation. Thanks for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. If you have any suggestions on future content for this podcast, please message Kevin via his Facebook page, Property Soldier.